Hi there. Tom D'Antoni in World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. With me today is Alex Krebs, tango teacher, tango dancer, and proprietor of his own tango studio since 2001. He's pretty much been Mr. Tango in Portland for a long time. And that's Argentine tango only. No other type of tangos need apply. What's the difference? That's something we're going to discover. We'll also find out what a milonga is and why you might want to attend one. And what about his Balkan ensemble, Krebsic Orchestra? He brought his very well-behaved young sons with him. So let's talk with Alex Krebs. How about it? Thank you. World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason, our home for these things. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, five years. Is it? Six years, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. How, is, is tango still happening like it used to? Tango is huge. Um, I'm actually, glad to hear I, that. Yeah. I know swing is still just as big. Yeah, you know? tango, just by sheer number of festivals that are happening in the States. I think when I started, there was maybe, there were one or two festivals across the United States a year. And now, pretty much every weekend, there's at least one festival. So just that alone says a lot. And I uh, just got back from a month in Europe, and we tango dance in Paris and Barcelona. There's dancing almost every night. You know, Portland still there's dancing every night. My classes are full, you know. Wow. So well, that's great news. Yeah, it's alive and alive and well. Yeah. Nice to hear. Yeah, we just don't hear as much about it as we used to. I think because because when when you when you first started this, it was kind of fresh and new, and and you know people were like really you know really got in it, and it got a lot of co- a lot more coverage. Let me put it that way. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear that uh, that uh, you, you, that it's, it's still kicking. Yeah, it doesn't quite have the novelty that it used to, yeah. but but there are more people doing it now, and I think it's become more commonplace you know Um, at the same time it's not in neon lights so i think it's hard to to find you have to kind of search a little bit on on the web and Mm -hmm. find the clubs where people are doing it you know well i'm glad they're still finding you yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so you 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 started your 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 studio in 2001 I yeah I started teaching I believe in 1998 and uh-huh. I bought my studio in 2001. Fortunately, I bought it back then. <laughs> yeah, uh, it has a little apartment in back, so I lived there for five years before we bought our house. And um, yeah, it's we we remodeled two years ago, so we got we did seismic upgrades, added uh-huh. bathrooms. Um, there was some dry rot in the walls, so yeah. got a you know facelift. It's got now one of I think the nicest doors in Portland, so if you ever drive by the studio, <laughs> take a look at the door. I designed it myself and had it made with uh, classic door works, and they're fabulous there. And anyways. Well, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to miss. It, it, is, it is a location that's hard to miss on Foster Road. Yeah, yeah, with the yeah. mural and everything. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's probably the most beautiful building on Foster oh, Road. well, thank you. <laughs> and noticeable also. Uh-huh. So, um, is it, has it fulfilled what you is it what you thought it would end up being the studio yeah um i thought you know that when i went to Buenos Aires the first couple of times there were these clubs that were 
you know, real dark, and they had these sort of ripped couches, and it had a sort of a dark, cool mm-hmm. vibe to it. And I thought, oh yeah, my studio is going to be like that. But um, when I went to you know paint and sort of design it, uh, it didn't. It turned out different than that. And I think it's just you know that that darkness is not really in me uh, mm-hmm. on, on some level. So it's uh, I don't know how to describe the space. It's funky, but yeah. but serene. It it doesn't have sort of a a dark edge to it really yeah. you know um and i'm happy how it turned out i i, yeah. I love it yeah. and and, and is, is how, how it functions that functions now is that how you, you envisioned it yeah it's got you know the dance floor and a dj booth piano and then it has four social rooms off to the side so when people aren't dancing yeah. really cultivates the the socializing and building of the community mm-hmm. so it's not like just entering and there's a dance floor and you sit and you dance and then you leave really part of the evening of the tango dances is conversing with people and forming these lifelong bonds you know a lot of people that dance tango they uh, you know people would give a kidney for another tango dancer i mean they're really yeah. uh, close bonds are formed why is there. that what, what what's the difference um well i mean there is it because the dance itself is so intimate maybe i mean i think tango dancers are sort of a, a sensitive species to begin with, very sensitive and very trusting you have to be sensitive and you have to be trusting to do tango well i think is it an, an, an empathic dance uh yeah you know i mean those are all qualities that you need to dance well. So I think the people that stick with it, it's a certain breed of, of person that's very conscientious and and sensitive and kind and really interested in connecting with other people. And so as a result, you put a whole bunch of those people in a room, they're going to have strong bonds with each other and really care for each other. And, uh, yeah. Do you find people growing into that? Do you think when, when somebody new arrives... Can they grow? Actually, grow into that kind of. Yeah, you know, I think a lot has to do with um, expectations. I think people uh, in everything. Yeah, they, they think yeah. they walk in. Well, you ask anyone on the street that hasn't done tango, and they immediately think rose in the mouth and promenade and fishnet stockings and yes. dips, and and you know we don't do any of that. It's yeah. more, you know, Argentine tango is more like an internal art, like the martial arts, uh-huh. or sort of it's closer to martial arts or yoga than it is like, hey, go out and you know do some dips and flips uh-huh. and twirls and uh-huh. and and then leave. It's not a fancy dance. It's about connecting with people, and I, I think that's why people are drawn to it because it it is different in, in, yeah. in a way like that. You know? yeah. How old were you when the, the first time you danced tango? I took a ballroom dance class when I was at Reed in 1996, and out of all the ballroom dances, like ballroom tango, and then was visiting my folks in the Bay Area looking for that, mm-hmm. and I called this guy and he said, "Well, we do Argentine tango." Um, it's very different than ballroom tango. You have to start all over. And so I, really? so I said, okay, you know, I, I like tango and uh, never did ballroom again. Uh, fell into Argentine tango. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, I was in What's Buenos Aires. Ballroom tango is part of, um, <coughs> part of the ballroom dance world. So like if you go to Arthur Murray Studios or Fred Astaire, you yeah. go in, they teach you, you know, different a variety of dances uh-huh. social dances like foxtrot yeah. cha-cha yeah. a little bit of swing some tango yeah. then you go to a ballroom dance they they play that um the posture is very different the music is very different um if you hear a snare drum it's not argentine tango it's ballroom tango um the patterns are different it's more set around you know certain patterns and it's based also not always but 
in the ballroom world, there are competitions and different levels that you can get to. Not everyone is into that, but in Argentine tango, there are very few competitions, and it's more like sort of open source. It's sort of the, the Linux of, of the dance. There's a lot of improvisation. You can invent new steps and change steps, whereas in ballroom, it's a little bit more of a fixed structure. Um, you know, I don't want to speak too much about ballroom because I, I don't know a lot about it, but, yeah. but just from the outside, the aesthetic is a little more, it seems like, um, based on how it looks. And in tango, I think it's the, the primary goal is how it feels uh -huh. rather than how it looks. I mean, everyone wants to look good when they dance, but it's more an, an internal, ex it's an experiential thing rather than a visual thing per se. Okay, so you, so you discovered Argentine tango when you were in the Bay Area, uh -huh. and did, were you, did you bring it back to to Portland? Uh, so here? then, yeah. Did so then I went. I, yeah. So I was there? three months in the Bay Area yeah. dancing and taking classes. Then I came back here, and there was a very small community, about uh -huh. twelve people or so. Really? Um, one dance a week. Wow. Clay Nelson was teaching classes. He's a ballroom teacher, but he was, you know, he got really interested in Argentine tango. He was the only person teaching. And so I was kind of an anomaly. I was 18 or whatever, and everyone else was 40-plus, and here comes this kid, you know, who knows some steps, and they kind of found me as a curiosity. But I, <laughs> I integrated with them and then, you know, and then started teaching a year later. Uh, went down to Buenos Aires for two months, danced 10 hours a day, came back. What's people that? Buenos Aires? Yeah. Oh, oh Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, Aires. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. yeah, I went down there, danced for two months, 10 hours a day, and I came back and people asked, you 10 know. 10 hours a day? Oh, I was. I would wake up at 6 p.m., eat a big plate of pasta, take a three-hour class, dance for six, seven hours till dawn, have breakfast, go to bed, repeat for two months, and um, and I was young and danced a lot every day and had the opportunity to dance a lot and study. And so when I came back, people said, "Oh, do you teach?" And I had never really planned to be a tango teacher; it just kind of happened to me. And um, I started getting students, you know, pretty much everyone in the community was studying with me, and that's when I thought, oh, this, I, you know, I enjoy doing this, people seem to like what I do, and um, so then thought more about, hey, maybe I want to do this for a while, you know, yeah, yeah. and it just kept growing from there. You know? yeah. But were you still learning all the time? I, I mean, I still am. I still take right. classes. Uh, it's not like, there's no end. It's like, I tell people it's it's... People come in, they say, well, how long does it take to learn tango? And I say, well, how long does it take to learn how to play the piano? You know, <laughs> if you want to learn how to play one simple song, maybe you, you know, it takes an hour, you know. Right. But are you going to call yourself a pianist, you know, yeah. after, after doing that? So at what point do you reach the end? Well, there is no end. It's a, you have to enjoy the process. If you have the patience and the passion for the process of learning and getting better and discovering... Um, then it's the right thing. It's not the kind of thing you take classes for two months and then you're done taking classes and you know the dance. Yeah. If that were the case, I would be done <laughs> 18 years ago with this dance. But I'm constantly discovering new things within the dance, about people, about uh, body structure, about movement. I mean, there's, there's so much about the music. You know, there's, there's a lot going on. And it's continued to evolve. Tango music especially is evolving in all kinds of cool directions and the dance as well new steps and sequences are constantly being you know being invented <laughs> and do you still have live music there sometimes yeah i yeah. still have my sextet uh, yeah. we run yeah who, uh, who, who is it who is in that right now 
Uh, the core cast is Erin Furby. Uh, she's my main violinist. I've worked with her for forever. She came from the Denver Symphony, and, and she played with the tango group there. Now she's assistant concertmaster for the Oregon Symphony. Uh, and Lisbeth Dreyer, who I think just got signed to the Oregon Symphony as well. Wow. So that combination is that my violin section I, That's is a great. But I've worked with a lot of violinists. I mean, uh, Julie Coleman, Peter Fadrola, Shin Kwan... Um, I'm blanking on some names. Um, my apologies to the people I'm like. <laughs> no, okay. Nelly yeah. Kovalev, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam Lamott. You know, I mean, a lot of violinists have, have gone yeah. through the yeah. the tango problem. Uh, Jeff Johnson on bass. He uh-huh. plays with the Oregon Symphony. Uh-huh. Uh, my pianist now is Janet Coleman. Uh, Andrew Oliver moved to London. He was my yeah. main pianist before. <laughs> and then um, I'm on bandoneon and. If I want a second bandoneon, there's a guy, Ben Thomas, in Seattle. He'll, he sometimes comes down for the but bigger... No, no percussion. No percussion. No, there's no percussion in Argentine tango. That's yeah. unique to the genre. Yeah. And then two singers. We have Megan Yvonne, who uh, sings, and, and Pepe Rafael. So, yeah. 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 Uh, he was in here, and, and he talked all about the, their collaboration. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, they got their, their duo thing going, yeah. Megan and... Yeah. <laughs> That's super fun, yeah. It's it's nice that duo formation. You know, we don't hear that a lot as tango dancers because it's usually the ten piece orchestras that are played during the yeah. tango dances. Yeah. But I like yeah. that duo group. Did Did you attend their concert at the old church? I uh, yeah, I danced when, in when it. When the, did you? When the the four of them were there, yeah. the Fuertes Varnarina duo from Buenos Aires, and the two uh, of them, that was fantastic. That I was. I bet it was. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I love I love working with. Well, all the people in my group, but you know, Pepe and Megan are super yeah. professional and yeah. funny, and and they're really great people. On top of being very professional yeah. and very entertaining and very just good a at their craft. Don't, a lot of people don't know that Pepe started as a dancer. Yeah, he came. I mean, he told me he came here from what from Spain as a yeah, yeah. to join OBT as yeah. a as a ballet dancer, yeah. and and then yeah. started singing and formed his group and sang with Pink <laughs> Martini and. Yeah, he's had an illustrious, <laughs> diverse <laughs> career. <laughs> and shaved that mustache. I couldn't believe yeah. it. He was, at, he was out of the country, I believe, when he did so that. So mature now. Yeah, oh. man. <laughs> Not that he was immature before. But <laughs> no, but the, 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 the dolly mustache was fabulous. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, but, you know, I, I applaud him for doing something. You know, you got to reinvent yourself. you got to come up with, with something new every once in a while That's to, true. you know, That's change true. it up. Give well, something is, pe- people is, talk about. Is that why you started the the other the the the, the other the other ensemble? Which ensemble? Krebsitch. I started because I was on a tango dance in the Netherlands, and they played a, a track for dancing tango to by Goran Bregovich called Maki Maki. And I went over to the DJ. I said, "Oh, what's that?" I said, "Oh, Goran Bregovich." So I did some research online and found this whole genre of Balkan brass. And got super into it and bought recordings and then found this website for um, this huge festival in the middle of Serbia in a small town called Guca, G-U-C-A, that every August they have a festival. It's a small town of a hundred of a thousand people and it draws a hundred thousand people a year. It's a huge festival with a bunch of these, you know, Balkan brass bands all competing for the coveted Golden Trumpet wow. Award. So I went there, I studied with some Roma for a couple of weeks in Valievo and then came back and started my group. So I kind of got there through tango. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know why when I get interested in stuff, I always feel like I have to start a band, you know, but, <laughs> but I, Krebsich is, is going well and 
it's super fun. I I really love playing, and yeah, just the musicians. Such a hodgepodge of musicians that we have. They're they're super fun to work with, and they're very patient and yeah, just great. We're we're also we we have a new singer in that group, Demet Tunja. She just moved here from Istanbul. Wow, fantastic Turkish wow. singer. She, she played one gig. I think she's planning on starting uh, her band here, but. She's a great performer, entertainer, um, and, you know, sings with us. We're still working out how much she wants to sing with us, or uh-huh. but um, she'll be on the next couple of gigs, you know, with us. I think our next one's September, no, August 30th at Secret Society. Great. So uh, she'll be there. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. In, your, in, your, in your travels, have, have you seen Andrew Oliver? I haven't. Wow. When was the last? Of, well, no, I saw Andrew when he was here last oh, yeah. in uh, in, in February. Festival. February, he played with the tango band. There was yeah. a big tango festival and for the jazz festival. And yeah. Um, yeah, this trip we were gone for a month, but we didn't make it to London, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Too much French Riviera to see. <laughs> I just get this because he's, he's he, he's so sensitive to, to everything. I, I just keep thinking. He's 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 turned into a Zelig thing and has a, a British accent now. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, you know, people do that. Yeah. You know. I mean, no, he's he's still he's still a Portlander at heart. You know, <laughs> he's uh, another amazing. Gosh, I wish he didn't move. He's such a great person and a yeah. just really gifted musician and arranger and composer. I yeah, really I had uh, Mary Sue Tobin in here a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about those those old days of her her you know, her playing with with his bands and him. Yeah, he's it's, a, it's certainly a loss to the you know, to the town here. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah, but he's you know he's enjoying you know London says you know pays better than Portland. They're fabulous <laughs> musicians, so you know I mean if you're a gigging musician and you want to you know strike out, he misses the culture though in Portland. He misses his friends. He misses the community. Yeah. He misses the collaborative atmosphere, which uh-huh. you know doesn't exist as much necessarily in yeah. I think larger towns. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's about you know earning your bread and there's more bread to be earned but there isn't sort of the luxury of time and space and collaborative spirit necessarily you know in other places Um, so uh, are you you, are you you traveling soon Uh, we're just in Europe for a month but that was just vacation and and France Spain Italy and Croatia and Bosnia Um, where am I going next you didn't play or dance no, we we scheduled a, a tango band tour of Europe, but yeah. it just didn't work out logistically. It's it's hard to mount a six-person tour and, and you know and make it work. Um, let's see, what's next? Next is teaching. I'm teaching in New York in October. And as far as band stuff, I mean, we've never really traveled for the band. You know, I have family here, so I've never. But you, you travel know. and teach. I travel to teach, but a lot less than I used to. For about five, six years, I was every other weekend wow. teaching and teaching three months out of the year in Europe. Um, but now with family, I try to boil it down to what's going to give me the most exposure. Yeah. So I hit regions. I teach in New York and Atlanta, Minneapolis, Seattle. Um, try to hit the Bay Area. You know, stuff that that can where I can reach the most amount of, of, of people and with organizers that are really just professional you yeah. know I I don't like going to places where they are not organized and, right. you know because I travel so f- infrequently that when I go I really want to make an impact you know yeah. wherever I go um, yeah. um, uh, 
So, so tell me, tell me about uh, the, 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 the instrumentation in Krebsich. Krebsich, I have. Uh, what do we got? We got a, in the front line. We got uh, trumpets, three trumpets, myself on alto sax, and uh, we just got Andrew Alikanov on on clarinet. That guy is phenomenal. So um, great to have him, especially on the solos. His mm-hmm. solos are are just amazing, and he knows the genre forwards and backwards. Um, and then the percussion section one is... One of the few genres that still uses a clarinet solo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Traditional yeah. New Orleans not, jazz. Not to, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's great. Um, and then the percussion section is uh, snare drum, doombeck, uh-huh. or what's called darbuka, and gotch, which is like a marching bass drum, uh-huh. the mallet on one side and a stick on the other, so you oh, get yeah. the bass and treble thing going. And then the back line is uh, three trombones, two baritone horns, two tubas. And then we have the singer, Demet, you know, Tunjar now. So, baritone uh, sax? How many baritone saxes? Oh, no, baritone horn. Oh, oh, okay. So it's like a sort of mini tuba. Yeah, yeah. You know, gotcha. so, uh, sort of mid-range horn. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. It's fun. I, I, love, I love playing with Krebsich. And, and people come out and they have a good time. They dance, you know. I just wish there was a club where we could throw shot glasses and wine glasses <laughs> and dance on the tables. That would be, that would put the icing on the cake. But that's you know, you know, we play Mississippi Pizza a lot. That's kind of become our our sort of home. It's yeah. not really big enough. They have a capacity of only a hundred. Um, but you know, having the infrastructure of the bar, you know, be able to have a beer and pizza, and they have a small dance floor in the middle. Yeah. We cram all you know, fourteen musicians on that small stage, and oh, it's yeah. tons of vibe. It's why, so much fun. Why do? It, why it's so funny because you know, large ensembles seem to always try to to work small places. Club. Yeah, <laughs> so, particularly Mississippi. I mean, Andrew Durkin's industrial jazz group. Had they a million there. people in it, and they played there. Yeah, yeah, played, yeah. put it right in there. Yeah, well, I mean, he because he, he came up from L.A. and and he had that uh, group in L.A. and then he added people here, and then he would he have a he would have a gig at Mississippi Pizza, uh-huh. and they'd be spread all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I really appreciate about Mississippi, I mean, it's better to it's better to have a hundred people in a small club, yes, than a hundred people in a huge club. So I don't know what the draw is for Krebsich. I mean, we've played um, Doug Fur and had three hundred and thirty people. I think that's the most that's been to a just Krebsich gig. Uh-huh. So anywhere between a hundred and let's say two hundred is our yeah. normal pull. Um, but good. but what's what's great on Mississippi Pizza is they they provide a door person for free, yeah. a sound person for free. Yeah. We get a cut of the bar. And we keep all the door. And as far as I know, there are no other clubs in town that do that. I mean, we've played some clubs. I won't name them. But at the end of the day, it's like we'll sell sell out a place. And then we see less than 50% of the door because they have, you know, they they charge for, for the door person. They charge you as a band for the bartender. You get none of the bar. They charge you for licensing. They charge you, and at the end of the day, they show you this bill, which which I get. You know, a club has expenses, and they need to make money too. But my theory is, look, if we bring 200 people, and 200 people are spending 15, 20 bucks at the bar, right. you know, that's a chunk of dough for for the venue. The the yeah. money of the venue should be, I think, made off of alcohol sales and maybe a small cut of the door, or if they have a fixed rate. You know, I get it. But Mississippi Pizza is the only club we've played at where. They love having us. We love playing there. The, the staff loves us. Um, and there's actually, like, we get to make the money from the people that we bring, you know? So whatever we charge at the door is what we make. There's there's lots of financial clarity 
And I think they're also very generous as a club, and I think that's why they've succeeded in all these years and 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 bringing good acts. You know, plus it's it's hard to find a well. Now you have different, you know, Mississippi studios and you know smaller venues that right. can cater to sort of that in between. You know, it's like we we're not going to sell out the Aladdin Theater probably, and you know, five hundred five hundred seat theaters. It's nice that we have Revolution Hall now. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have these these small clubs that are also very pro band. They don't just see bringing in bands as just a dollar sign. They have mm-hmm. sort of a little more vested interest beyond that. You know, when people visit your website or your Facebook page, they will see a word that um, they may not understand. That is milonga. What is that? Yes, milonga is a tango social dance. Uh-huh. So you go to a milonga to dance Argentine tango. So the name of my milonga is Milonga Berretin. Berretin is the name of my studio, Tango Berretin. Where, what is that, where does that word come from? Berretin is, uh, the slang of Buenos Aires is called Lunfardo. It's like the colloquial or slang language. And so the word Berretin is not Spanish. It's part of the, the slang. And it means to, like, to have a longing or desire. So the, the, the lyrics in tango and the, the feel is really revolves around nostalgia and melancholy because the people that invented the genre were immigrants from Europe, usually guys without their family, they would come to this new land seeking work, and they're missing their homeland, they're missing their families, and so this music was born out of that feeling of being loving something, but it, it being far away. Yeah. And uh, the word Beretin is sort of that feeling, which in English, nostalgia maybe is the closest, in German, Sehnsucht would be the, the word to describe that that feeling, you know. Ah. So, so the milonga is, again... Yeah, you go to a milonga to dance tango. Okay. If you go to a milonga, you're not going to hear salsa music all night. Now you go to a salsa club. You go to a milonga yeah. to dance Argentine tango. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Code word, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's been great catching up with you. Yeah, likewise. Uh, yeah, thanks nice for having me. In and your, your boys are here. Yeah, they've been very patient. <laughs> They're doing great. They have been. They've been yeah. very well behaved. <laughs> Nobody's smacked anybody or thrown anything or anything like that or yelled or, you know, I mean, uh, which is good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think I would have been that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we'll have all the pertinent information about your, your website and, and all that stuff uh, on, um, uh, on, on, on the page. Okay. Do you think you could uh, send me a, an MP3 of something that you've recorded? Yes. Uh huh. Something recent or Any, whatever you'd like. My we'll favorite. Just, we'll just put it on the end here. But how about that? Okay. All right. Well, actually, I think since we last met, we we put out a vinyl album of uh-huh. sort of a Tango Fusion album. It's uh-huh. also digital download through CD Baby and iTunes and Spotify. The group name is What the Tango, uh-huh. and the album name is Alt Mission, and that's a it's all original stuff that we did. The A side is the original works, and the B side we did um, dubstep remixes. We also have a couple music videos, so I'll, I'll send you something from there because I think that's really accessible and fun and new, and um, you know something that I think everyone could enjoy. And that's how we'll end it. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Tom. <laughs>
心如